WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio proudly presents the Marian Hour with Father Dwight Campbell, spiritual advisor to WSFI and pastor of Our Lady of Mount Carmel and St. Therese in Kenosha, Wisconsin. Good afternoon, everyone. Father Campbell here for another Marian Hour on this 13th day of January. It's the Feast of St. Hilary, who was a great defender of the divinity of Christ. He fought against the Arians, who were still um, very powerful in the mid-4th century, even though the Council of Nicaea had already condemned Arius back in 325. And um, he, he actually was sent into exile because the Arians banded against him, and uh, that was a good thing because he ended up writing about 14 volumes of works on the Holy Trinity. He's known as, as a great defender of the Holy Trinity. Well, if you get rid of Jesus, the Son of God, say he's not divine, then you get rid of the Trinity. So he had to defend both, and um, he's a doctor of the church. So anyway, to begin our Marian hour today, let us say a prayer in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, that never was it known that anyone who fled to thy protection, implored thy help, or sought thy intercession, was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, I fly unto thee, O Virgin of virgins, my mother. To thee do I come, before thee I stand, sinful and sorrowful. O Mother of the Word incarnate, despise not my petitions, but in thy mercy hear and answer me. Amen. St. Hilary, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, if you've heard a couple of voices praying with me, that is because we have two guests in our studio this afternoon. Uh, we have Angela, uh, who's always here, um, faithful um, uh, head of our studio. I'm like Fulton Sheen's guardian <coughs> angel. Yes, yes. <laughs> and, and we have Mark Curran, who's sitting across from me, who h happened to be in today in, in the WSFI um, station. Almost, almost every day, Father. <coughs> almost every day. This, okay. is my, this is my hangout. Okay, well, that's, that's good. It's a nice place to hang out. Yeah. Uh, <coughs> I was thinking the past couple of days, what am I going to talk about today? And I, I thought I'd look for Marian feasts. I always like to look for Marian feasts. And back on the, um, the 8th of January, okay, um, there is a traditional feast, Mary, Our Lady of Prompt Succor, okay? And <coughs> meaning prompt help. Mary helps us quickly, okay, right away. And I'll give a little history of this. It's, it's not on the calendars uh, of the Universal Church celebrated. It's celebrated in some places. One of the places in New is New Orleans. I'll explain why, and you'll see why in, in a few minutes, okay? But, but go back to 1727, um, the Order of St. Ursula was founded by another saint, Angela Morisi, in the 16th century, 
And she dedicated the order under the patronage protection of St. Ursula, who was uh, a saint a few centuries before that. And in 1727, uh, some French Ursuline nuns started a monastery and a school in New Orleans here in the States. At that time, New Orleans, does anyone know who was in control of New Orleans at the time? French. The French, right. Okay. And <coughs> it's, they founded the, a monastery and the Ursuline Academy. You know a number of people that went there. Which is the oldest Catholic girls' school right. in the territory of modern-day United States. And it, they educated everyone, European girls, colonists, Native Americans, Creoles, um, slave or free. And, <coughs> well, in 1763, uh, the Spanish took over the area of Louisiana. And <coughs> as a result, some Spanish nuns came, Ursulines, okay, came to, to uh, the monastery and to teach at the school, did and and then you you fast. Did our newest Supreme Court justice go there? You know, I I don't know if she did. I'm going to look it up. Okay. Um, but I went to a Jesuit college, Spring Hill in Mobile, Alabama, and that was a big feeder school. Oh, okay. Wow. Very good. Well, um, in 1800, guess who takes back the area of Louisiana? The French. Right. Okay. And <coughs> so when the French come, the Spanish Ursuline sisters, they went to Cuba, Havana, and they were short of teachers. Uh, the mother superior, Mother Madier, requested sisters from France to come to America to help her convent in the school. And she wrote to her cousin, who was Mother Saint-Michel, who was running a Catholic girls' boarding school in France at this time. And this is, this is right after the French Revolution, and things were difficult. And so Mother Saint-Michel over in France, she goes to her bishop, Bishop Fournier, and asks for a transfer. And the bishop advises uh, Mother Saint Michel that only the Pope could authorize this. And the Pope at the time, anyone know who that was? 1800, or, or yeah, run the year 1800, 1803. Okay. I'm going to guess Leo. No, he's later <laughs> in the 1800s. It's, it's Pope Pius VII. And uh, <coughs> well, he happened to be a prisoner at the time of a megalomaniac named Napoleon, okay, <laughs> the emperor. And uh, <coughs> so uh, Mother Marie really didn't know, you know how to contact him. She sends a letter off, and uh, she prays before a statue of the Blessed Virgin Mary. And this is her prayer. She says, O most holy Virgin Mary, if you obtain for me prompt and favorable a prompt and favorable answer to this letter, I promise to have you honored at New Orleans under the title of Our Lady of Prompt Succor or of Prompt Help. Okay. So she sends her petition on March 19th, Feast of St. Joseph, okay. This is 1809. And she receives a letter back from the Pope 
in April, April 29th, which is, was really miraculous to get a letter back um, in, in Europe, sending a letter and to get it back, sending it to the Pope, was, was really miraculous, and she regarded it as miraculous. So uh, Mother San Michel commissioned a statue of the Virgin Mary holding the infant Jesus under the title Our Lady of Prompt Succor. And the workmen carved her, the Blessed Virgin, with flowing robes so she would appear to be moving quickly, okay, because she flies to our assistance very quickly. And um, Bishop Fournier blessed the statue and Mother Saint Michel's work. Well, Mother Saint Michel, with some nuns, they arrive, Ursulines in New Orleans, with the statue of Our Lady of Prompt Succor on December 31st, 1810, the next year. And the statue was placed in the monastery chapel. And this was in the old Ursuline convent on. Uh, Chartres Street in the French Quarter. And you know where it is? Oh, okay. I've never been to. Uh, you've been to New Orleans. I've never been. I yeah, I got a little question to ask you in a second. Sure. Okay. I'll ask it now. Well, just to interrupt. Maybe s some uh, interesting tidbits on uh, uh, where you're going, Father. That um, Amy Coney Barrett, her family. Uh, had grandparents emigrated from France to New Orleans. N no, nobody's allowed to say down there if you were to say New Orleans or something, they'd slap you. New Orleans. Yeah, it's really New Orleans, but, New Orleans, but, but yeah. you can get away with, with New Orleans. Um, and her dad is an ordained deacon. How about that? Isn't that wonderful? So, I mean, shouldn't all the men that have become deacons be so blessed to have that as for your daughter? And yes. To have her for your daughter? At St. Catherine of Siena Parish in Monterey, Louisiana, um, but she did go to St. Mary's Dominican High School in New Orleans, not uh, not the Ursuline, not okay. the Ursuline. But I knew people that went to the Ursuline okay. as well. Well, she was trained by Dominicans. I think they must have been job. good. Yes, they did yes. a good job. Yeah. did a good job with her. Yes. And Absolutely. the answer to her prayer was on the feast of Catherine of Siena. I think is that true? When's Catherine of Siena's feast day? April 29th. Yeah, very good. Yes, yes. We're so right on the ball. Okay. Wow, very back good. we're on a roll. Well. I want to talk about two oh, miracles. Can I ask you one other thing, Father? Sure. Um, just real quick, just th another tidbit that uh, out there. St. Louis, uh, we were talking about the cathedral in, in, in St. Louis, Missouri. I don't know if you've been there. Oh, yes. Okay, but there's a St. Louis, Louis Cathedral in the quarter in New Orleans. Mm. And it is absolutely drop-dead gorgeous. Is it? Yeah. Built so by the French, probably. Yeah. I'll have to get there someday. Yeah. Across yeah. from Cafe Dumont where you can get good those beignets and the oh. coffee and everything. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so we're going to go to the miracles <coughs> now. Two miracles. Good miracles. Associated with Our Lady of Prompt Succor, okay? The first is in 1812, okay? Mm -hmm. A great fire was swe sweeping through New Orleans. Um, the Ursula Ursuline convent was facing, you could say, imminent destruction. The winds are, are blowing toward the convent, the fire is coming, and um, they were ordered to evacuate the convent, and one nun, a sister, uh, St. Anthony, placed a small statue of Our Lady of Prompt Succor on the window seat, on the window sill, and um, she says, Our Lady of Palm Sucker, we are lost unless you hasten to our aid. Immediately the wind shifts, the blowing flames, uh, they 
blow away from the convent, allowing for the fire to be extinguished. And the Ursuline convent was one of the few buildings spared from this great destructive fire. Okay. Now the second miracle <coughs> I I learned about actually just um, a year or two ago. I I listened to a book narrated by Michael Medved. The book was called The American Miracle. It's a really good book about all how all these different incidents took place in the founding of America and to keep it, you know, vibrant. And um, Michael Medved relates the story in, in his book about um, 1815, during the end of the war of 1812, which was between the U.S. and England, okay? Uh, General Andrew Jackson's 6,000 American troops, they faced 15,000 British soldiers uh, down there in New Orleans, okay, on the plains of Chalmette. On the eve of the Battle of New Orleans, the residents of that city joined the Ursuline sisters at their convent in the French Quarter to pray throughout the night, imploring Our Lady of Prompt Succor. And <coughs> this is what I remember from Michael Medved. He narrates the story very elaborately, but I'll give the shortened version of it, okay? So the morning of January 8th, um, the bishop, William de Bourg, uh, pardon me, he's the, the vicar general, okay? Um, right under the bishop. He offers mass on the altar on which the statue of Our Lady of Prompt Succor had been placed. Cannon fire could be heard from the chapel, and the prioress of the Ursuline convent then, Mother Olivier de Vezin, made a vow to have a mass of thanksgiving sung annually should the American forces win. Okay? So she makes this vow, and at the very moment when they're receiving communion, a courier runs into the chapel to inform all those present that the British had been defeated. And Michael Medved describes the battle. The British were, were you know, amassing, and uh, a fog came in over this valley where, where you know, they, they outnumbered General Andrew Jackson's troops, you know, more than two to one. And this fog comes in, and they get, they wander into a swamp, and they're defeated. In a half hour, seven American lives are lost. That's it. I mean, it is, is, it is basically a slaughter this of the... 1815, not 1815. 1815. But it's well, the 1812 war. Right, continuation. Okay, the War of 1812. It's yeah. the end of the war. So, um... Uh, Americans lose only seven men. Uh, the mass ends with the singing of the Te Deum, you know, a hymn of praise. And the annual mass of Thanksgiving has been held January 8th ever since. In fact, um, back in 2015, it was the two, they held the 200th anniversary of, of that mass. And General Jackson, Andrew Jackson, here's his statement after this battle, because he knew that the Ursuline nuns were praying, okay? And doing, you know, making this um, appeal to Our Lady of Succor. And he says, quote, The divine providence of God, through the intercession of Our Lady of Prompt Succor, has shielded us and granted us this stupendous miracle. And 
General Jackson paid, he's future president, remember, okay? Sure. Um, Andrew Jackson. He paid a special visit to the Ursulines and thanked them for their prayers to Our Lady of Prom Sucker. And there's a statue of Jackson's bust there in the monastery. And, um, um, well, <coughs> there's a, a litany of Our Lady of Prom Sucker. And I'll just read a few lines from this litany. What, what was Andrew Jackson's uh, nickname, Father? Old, old, old Hick Hick Yeah. Old, old Hickory. Old Hickory. Old, old Hickory, Hickory stick because he couldn't bend and wouldn't break, right? <laughs> yes. I mean, he was, he was really uh, uh, heroic. Do you think that they'll take yeah. his statue down? Who knows? Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. Um, but <coughs> some of the... I want it if they do. <laughs> so, some of the um, the petitions in the litany of Our Lady of Prompt Sucker, which is is prayed, you know, during in this this anniversary mass. Here are some of them: Our Lady of Prompt Sucker, of all who invoke you with confidence, pray for pray us. For us. Um, Our Lady of Prompt Sucker, of all who are devout toward the infant Jesus, pray, pray for, for us. us. Our Lady of Prompt Sucker, for obtaining a lively faith, pray, pray for us. Uh, Our Lady of Prom Sucker for obtaining, preserving us in charity, pray, pray for, for us. us. Our Lady of Prom Sucker for observing perseverance in virtue and good works, pray, pray for, for us. us. Okay. Well, it goes on. It's I, I, I would run out of time. There are a lot of petitions here, but there's also uh, a traditional nine-day novena, wow. which uh, is prayed for this feast and I'll just read the novena prayer I'll end I have about a minute left okay I should get done with this in about a minute okay Our Lady of Prompt Sucker thou are after Jesus our only hope O most holy virgin whose merits have raised thee high above angel choirs to the very throne of the eternal and whose foot crushed the head of the infernal serpent, thou art strong against the enemies of our salvation. O Mother of God, thou art our mediatrix, most kind and loving. Hasten then to our aid, and as thou didst once save thy beloved city from ravaging flames and our country from an alien foe, do now have pity on our misery. Obtain for us the graces we beg of thee. So, Del Father, sorry. Deliver us from the wiles of Satan. Assist us in the many trials which beset our path in this valley of tears. And be to us truly Our Lady of Prompt Succor now, especially at the hour of our death. Yes, Mark. Okay, I was just going to mention that she's the patron saint of hurricanes. Yes. Which is befitting for that city. Well, they, so inter they invoke her for hurricanes. I was yeah. going to say that. I'm glad so you So do you think yeah. the fact that they didn't pray enough, uh, Katrina? Katrina, I don't know. They, they were uh, praying to her then. Yeah. They were. Yeah. Yeah. Ray Agnes of the School Sisters of Christ the King in Lincoln, Nebraska, and I believe Catholic Radio is an important tool for the new evangelization. The times when I have been on the road traveling different places um, looking for something good to listen to, 
I've been really uplifted by what I hear on Catholic Radio, and I feel like it's a good source of education, too, and that you can learn lots more about our faith. WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio is committed to bringing quality Catholic programs to our local community. We only can do that with your financial support. Take a moment now to donate online at wsfiradio.org or mail your tax-deductible donation to WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio, P.O. Box 885, Libertyville, Illinois, 60048. That's WSFI 88.5 FM Catholic Radio, P.O. Box 885, Libertyville, Illinois, 60048. Donations of any amount are greatly appreciated. The Holy Family Catholic Bookstore is blessed with the opportunity to participate with WSFI Catholic Radio in the new evangelization. Holy Family is your local resource for books, CDs, and DVDs from Catholic Answers, Ignatius Press, and all of the other fine publishers featured on Catholic Radio. Holy Family also has the area's largest selection of baptism, communion, and confirmation gifts. Holy Family Catholic Bookstore is located at 9249 Old Green Bay Road, Pleasant Prairie, Wisconsin. More information is available on Facebook. Okay, we are, are back uh, with the second segment of the Marian Hour today, January 13th, the feast day of St. Hilary of Poitiers, great defender of the divinity of Christ, and by defending the divinity of Christ, he defended the Trinity, Wart wrote volumes on on the central mystery of our faith. Um, that's what happens when you're sent into exile. You can make good use of your time. So this was God's plan, and he's a doctor of the church for this. Anyway, I have joining me in the studio today both Angela Tomlinson, who's always my faithful um, <laughs> person here, who I, sh I ask questions yeah, to, and, she, and she's very knowledgeable, too. She usually gets the questions right. And, and Mark Curran, who's just a wealth of knowledge all the time. <laughs> Sometimes he cheats. He looks at the, the Internet. He's doing yeah, that right I now. I so, I But you know what, Father? <coughs> I, I'm actually just, uh, you're right, I am, but by the same token, um, nothing I br brought up I didn't already know. Right. So, so I do know some things. <laughs> you know what? It, you know what it is, Father. I, I'm like fascinated by the Catholic Church. I'm fascinated by the history of the Catholic Church. I'm fascinated by all the like little, you know, what parishes in that city and what's the dynamics of that parish and this, that, and the other. And you know, even beyond the saints, I, I'm, I'm fascinated by the local politics of the church. All of that stuff. Just, I, I, I love it. And I I'd love to play Catholic <laughs> Jeopardy. When you know somebody went to a Catholic school, and you know what I mean, it's like, uh, yeah, if they're from Detroit, I'd right right away, I'd be like, did you go to Brother Rice? Did you go to Detroit? You uh, Detroit High School? Did you go to, you know, and, and in any almost any city in America, I can do that. That's yes. I don't know what that's worth. <laughs> oh, that's no, that's that's our our Catholicity. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Universal. Yeah, we yeah. can we can link up with uh, and have things in common with with. Uh, you know, all Catholics throughout the world, actually. Yes. They do it for sports. They do it for sports all the time, right? What's who went to this high school and where they graduated? Sure. So why not do it for our sure. faith? So I mean, on, on the south side of Chicago, we, we, that's how you, you identify yourself. You say what parish are you exactly. from? Exactly. Yes. Yeah. yeah. That was uh, so. the wonderful book, John uh, Powers. And and parishes, you know, actually, that's that's that was Brother French. Rice and uh, well, that's from the French. The idea yeah. of parish, right? You know, exactly. The, you know, the little the little enclave. Um, 
Anyway, I want to talk today about another Marian feast that's coming up. It's not on the calendar either, but it is celebrated at, at Chartres in, in France, I, I understand. At least it was until recently. I hope it still is. Um, it's the Feast of Our Lady's Espousals. And, um, you know, according to tradition, when Mary was of a marriageable age, you know, she, first of all, she, she went into the temple at age three. You know, that's the presentation of Mary in the temple. And, <coughs> you know, she gets to be about, you know, 13, 14 years of age. And she, uh, after uh, leading life as a virgin in the temple, uh, she's, she's married. And um, we know that she was espoused to St. Joseph. And... <coughs> Joseph, who was this, you know, just man, a God-fearing man, and, um, you know, there are different stories. I, I'm going to relate uh, some more in depth here um, in regard to uh, one mystic, but with, with Mary's espousals, this feast, the idea and the tradition is that the men of Judah, of the tribe of Judah, assembled in the temple, prayed with the high priest to be shown a sign from the Lord who would be the husband of Mary, the spouse of Mary. And the high priest, according to the tradition handed down, told the men to hold staffs in their hands and uh, in the midst of their prayers, the staff of Joseph, this poor carpenter blossomed into a white lily. A dove hovers over his head, and this is the sign that he was acceptable to God. And um, Mary then uh, receives Joseph as her spouse. And Joseph did so, and this is, this is our belief, with uh, knowing that Mary had taken a vow of virginity. And Joseph himself, according to the stronger tradition in the church also had made a vow of virginity. Okay. Some of the early saints had thought that Joseph could have been married before because there's this reference to other children. Are we required to accept that? No, no. In fact, the stronger tradition in the church uh, is that Joseph was a virgin as well. And that's why, what do we say in the divine praises? You know, at th when we're doing benediction at the end of benediction, most chaste spouse of Mary. Well, this is the idea that, that you know, th the church telling us that Joseph is, you know, he's a virgin. And how do we know Mary's a virgin, though? Let's, let's go to her first. And that we're required to accept. Oh, that's, oh, yes. And Mary is a virgin, triple virginity, okay? A virgin in conceiving Jesus. We know that from this, that's clear in Luke's gospel, okay? Right. The angel is sent to a virgin betrothed to a man named Joseph of the house of David. She's a virgin in giving birth. She remains a virgin. It's a miraculous birth. And third, she's a virgin ever afterwards. And that 
perpetual virginity of Mary. You know, she, she remained a virgin all of her life because the Gospels never mention other children of Mary. Well, they, mention, they mention brothers and sisters of Jesus, but that's understood as his relatives right. because that's how but you would refer to cousins and your kin. Can I just say this, Father? Uh-huh. So I was in an ecumenical Bible study for years with a lot of Protestants, and every one of them would say that, oh, that Catholics, that they just did this to try to make Mary some pristine, but Jesus had brothers, so they came from Mary, and then so she wasn't a virgin, and blah, blah, blah. They all believe that. They all believe that. Right, and and here's an interesting fact, yeah. and you should enlighten your Protestant friends. Right. Both Martin Luther and John yeah. Calvin held to Mary's perpetual virginity. They would never have thought of departing from this because this was accepted teaching by everyone. Yes. So the, the Protestants today don't hold to what their founders taught right okay and so this shows that that you know their their own traditions with a small t are are really not um, biblically based and and not even you know consistent with you know logically with what you know their their founders you know held to so for 16 centuries and also um, it, it wasn't the first language that it was written in was like ancient Greece and the interpretation for the Hebrew, no, the Hebrew. 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 For, for yeah. example, for Aramaic example, or whatever. Yeah, for example, in the book of Genesis, we see when Abraham, who, who does he go into the promised land with? He goes from the land of Ur. Who's he, who's he with? Do you know who he's with? Little quiz, Bible um, Jeopardy here. Yeah, okay. uh, uh, he's with his nephew. Okay, what's his nephew's name? Lot. Yeah. Lot. Okay, so. Abraham refers to Lot as his brother. Very Lot good. is referred to as the brother of Abraham. It's his nephew, clearly. But there's this understanding it's his kin, so you call him a brother. And uh, Lot is the one, remember his wife looks back when Sodom and Gomorrah are being destroyed and she's turned into a pillar of salt, okay? Because the angel said, don't look back, and she looked back. Yes, I remember that being taught that as a, a little tight. I know you got a lot to get to. Yes. I just want real quick. Why is it so important that Mary had to be a, continue to be a virgin from God's Good perspective? Good question. Okay. Um, it is important because Mary is the Ark of the New Covenant, and she, she is the Theotokos, the God-bearer. After she conceived and, and the Word made flesh lived in her womb for nine months, she was sanctified. Joseph never would have imagined having relations with Mary because there, there was this idea of, of the holiness of place. Think about this. I use this analogy. I used it with a Protestant kid who objected to this in a Bible class I taught about 25 years ago, 30 years ago, um, in, in high school down in Danville, Illinois, Schlamm High School. And, and I said, listen, uh, here's an analogy. The, the Ark of the Covenant that contain the, the Ten Commandments, the two stone tablets, okay, and as well as Aaron's staff, that's carried around for hundreds of years. Then they build a temple, okay? Solomon builds the temple, and <coughs> only the high priest, while the Ark of the Covenant was in the tent and in the temple, only the high priest, once a year, on the Day of Atonement, could enter into the Holy of Holies where the Ark was. Anyone else entered in, you'd be struck dead. Why? Because that place was holy. Why? Because the Word of God written on stone was there. 
in, in the Ark of the Covenant. After the Babylonians defeat the Jews in 586 BC, the temple is destroyed. It's rebuilt under Herod the Great. He starts in 20 BC rebuilding the temple. You still could not walk into that Holy of Holies, only the high priest once a year. Why? Because the Ark of the Covenant had been there. Therefore, that place was still holy. So take that idea now, apply it to Mary. She's the true Ark of the Covenant. She didn't have two stone tablets with God's writing on it in her womb. She had the very word made flesh in her womb. Never Joseph would have imagined having relations with her. Mary was, was sanctified. And this is um, evident, and St. Augustine was a great promoter of this idea, one of the first great um, promoters of, of Mary's perpetual virginity, basing it upon Mary's words in response to the angel. When the angel comes and announces to Mary, you will conceive and bear a son. He will reign on the throne of David forever. She knows this is the fulfillment of, of all the prophecies. Okay, What does Mary say? She's betrothed to Joseph Okay, at the time. Be it done unto. No. What does she say first? How can this be? How can this be? I do not know man. Now, I've said this to Angela once before. Okay, if you imagine you're a, you're a young woman. You're engaged to be married. Say your marriage is a month out. An angel comes to you and, say, you and says, you're going to conceive and bear a son. What would you naturally think? No way. No, 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 no. If you're, <laughs> if you're, a, if you're a young woman, okay. if you're a young woman, I'm in... I'm engaged to a man, okay? Scandal. And, no, I'm engaged to a man. Uh, my marriage date is next month. Okay. Okay? Yeah. Say it's next week. Yeah. A week from today, okay? Yeah. An angel comes to you and says, you will conceive and bear a son. Yes. Yeah, what would you naturally think? Uh, that it's going to be then. Yeah, that, that you were going to have relations with your husband when, yeah. you, when you get married and, and you'll have a son. Oh, wonderful. Yeah. Mary says, no, how can this be? This reveals to her, because she says, I do not know man, present tense, which means future as well. She never intended to know Joseph intimately. See, So this reveals her intention to remain a virgin. And Joseph marries her knowing that intention. Joseph is a virgin as well. So the espousals of Mary and Joseph, this, this is done with the understanding, this is the tradition in the church, that Joseph realizes Mary is, 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 has taken this vow of virginity. He is going to be her guardian, her protector, besides being her husband. But he will remain chaste. He will not have relations with her. He understands that at, at the time they're espoused. And with the, with the Jewish marriage rite, it takes place in two segments. The espousals, which we would call the engagement, okay, you're legally married then. That's the legal marriage. Later you come together to live together. Okay. So this is this is how we understand the angel coming to Mary when Luke says she was espoused to Joseph, but before they were together, see, it's this time where, where they're already legally married the espousal, but before they've come to live together, that's when the angel comes to Mary and, yeah. and, and speaks and to what her. what the Protestants would say about that is that, um, oh, what's so dirty about sex that, you know, the, the, the Catholic perspective on sex makes it such that it has to be so. 
Well, no, we, we, sex is good and beautiful, but uh, consecrated virginity means that you're giving your heart totally to God, and this is what Mary did, and this is why, gee, St. Paul, in, in, in many verses in the New Testament, especially, for example, First uh, Corinthians, speaks of, of virgins. Yeah. Uh, there, were, there were virgins in the very beginning of the church. See, the Protestants, they just ignore these lines of, right. of these. And we have witness to it as well. We have testimonies right. of virgins being in the early church. Mary was the supreme model of, of virgins. And we give more honor to God and, and to Jesus Christ by saying that Mary was a virgin because we recognize that Mary is the new Ark of the Covenant. Okay. Well, you know, Father, for me, you know, every time I dig deeper into what the Catholic Church teaches, it just confirms that there's no way. It has to be the only church because the, the profound wisdom and everything else. And the Christ only founded one. Right. You are Peter on this rock. I will build my church. Singular, not plural. There's one church. Yeah. Okay. So you're going to talk about um, Mary's uh, prophecies? No, no. Um, I'm going to, I'll start speaking now, as a matter of fact, since you have um, have prompted me to do so. Okay. <laughs> uh, Mark Kermis is, who's with me today, if you've just joined in, um, former candidate for U.S. Senate in the state of Illinois, who sadly was defeated. Um, Long-time sheriff, though. Long-time sheriff, but we wish Mark would have won, because then we've had a pro-life senator. And the second lawyer in the room. Okay, second lawyer, yes. Yeah, <laughs> two yeah. lawyers. Uh, I, I happen to be one of myself. Holy um, smokes. And um, anyway, with, with the espousals of Mary, okay, I, I just want to finish up something in regard to the feast. Now, um, there was um, um, a man in the 1400s named uh, Jean Charlier. He was called Gerson. He was a, a, a single man, uh, I believe. He wasn't a priest. And he was very devoted to Mary and, and, uh, and Joseph as well. He was one of the great first propagators of devotion to St. Joseph. And he wanted a feast of the espousals of Joseph and Mary to be celebrated as really a feast of St. Joseph. He wrote out um, uh, a, uh, an, an office for this, a liturgy, composed one, and um, and uh, it caught on, but it turned into more of a feast of the espousal of Mary more of a feast of Mary than Joseph. And it was never really widely celebrated on the universal calendar, but it is still listed as, as a traditional feast on the, on the 23rd of January coming up. Okay. So, uh, now having said all that, I'm, you know, this is a year of St. Joseph proclaimed by our, our Pope Francis, which um, uh, is, is, a year in which we are to, you know, reverence and try to get a better understanding of this this great saint uh, Joseph. And before we take our second break here, I'll, and before I get into this work, I'm going to mention a, a very inspiring book that I came across some years back, which I've read, even parts of it a, a number of times, uh, The Life of St. Joseph. It is by a mystic, Maria Cecilia Baige, B-A-I-J, 
OSB. She was a, a Benedictine. She was the abbess of the convent of St. Peter in Monte Flascone, Italy from 1743 to 1766. And she was given revelations about St. Joseph his whole life. And it's really, really fascinating. It's a beautiful compliment to a work like Mary of Agreda, who wrote the mystical city of God about the Blessed Virgin Mary. And I will talk about um, Sister Maria Baisha's revelations about the espousals of Joseph and Mary when we return. <laughs> Want an example of a false sense of security? How about relying on the life insurance you get through work to pay for all of your final expenses? Do you have plans to retire someday? Or do you plan on working for that company for the rest of your life? The fact is, you may lose your life insurance when you leave a company. I'm Matt Tomlinson from Catholic Financial Life, and I invite you to share your hopes and dreams with me. To discuss your options for protecting your family, call me at 847-548-MAT. That's 847-548-6288. Products and services are not available in all states. The Holy Family Catholic Bookstore is blessed with the opportunity to participate with WSFI Catholic Radio in the new evangelization. Holy Family is your local resource for books, CDs, and DVDs from Catholic Answers, Ignatius Press, and all of the other fine publishers featured on Catholic Radio. Holy Family also has the area's largest selection of baptism, communion, and confirmation gifts. Holy Family Catholic Bookstore is located at 9249 Old Green Bay Road, Pleasant Prairie, Wisconsin. More information is available on Facebook. Okay, we're, we're back with the third segment of the Marian Hour today, January 13th, the Feast of St. Hilary of Poitiers, great bishop, doctor of the church who defended the divinity of Christ and the Holy Trinity as well. And in our break, um, Mark Curran is here with me today, and he asked a question. Maybe you could just ask it again. Yeah, uh, so just for the listener's perspective, I'm uh, 57 years old, and I went to Catholic schools my whole life, and my experience is not unique. I grew up in the Chicago Archdiocese. There, we, we never said a Hail Mary in grade school and high school. There was never even, you know, and theology was obviously a, a required class all those years, and even college. I went to a Jesuit college. And no discussion about Mary was zero, you know, essentially. And I mean, we knew that she was Jesus' mom, and it began and ended there. Yes, unfortunately, after the Second Vatican Council, there was, um, uh, you know, a real drop, precipitous drop in, in Marian devotion and, and theology. And as I was explaining to Mark during our break, that this was due in large part, uh, well, two factors. I mentioned one to him already. I'll mention it here, that there was a, f a false idea of ecumenism. Okay, we, we want to try to uh, better understand Protestants, and therefore we'll sweep Mary under the carpet and not talk about her. Well, this is precisely the opposite of what should have been done. And actually, this is not what the Second Vatican Council taught. There's a document in the Second Vatican Council documents 
It's the dogmatic constitution on the church. It's called Lumen Gentium. That's Latin for light of the nations. The church is the light of the nations. Chapter 8 of Lumen Gentium, the last chapter, speaks of Mary. Speaks of her as the, the mediatrix of grace. Uh, it gives a, a wonderful teaching on the Blessed Virgin Mary. But, you know, how many people even knew about that? I never did going through college. I went to Loyola. I, I, nev I never heard of this this teaching uh, on Mary from the Second Vatican Council. And, and so... Uh, it, the the false ecumenism, as I like to call it, um, was in large part responsible for the drop in Marian devotion and in Marian teaching and theology. A second factor was the, the um, modern approaches to biblical interpretation, which um, really questioned the authenticity of the accounts of the infancy narratives, for example, of St. Luke, where the Blessed Virgin Mary um, is really the source for, for that um, information in regard to the Annunciation, the Visitation, the birth of Christ. Who else could have known this? And this is the traditional teaching of the Church. Actually, it's, it's papal teaching. John Paul II taught this very, very forcefully, that Mary was the source for Luke. But you had a lot of, of and you still have some out there, who poo-poo the idea that uh, the, the gospel narratives contain historical facts about Jesus and Mary, and uh, that these things were kind of made up, they're kind of myths. Well, if, if, you're, if you think that the, the accounts of the conception and birth of Jesus by Mary are myths, then, you know, where does Marian devotion uh, come in? This has been the problem, okay? So it's these two factors. So I got a question for you. Yes. You got time for one prayer. You're going to die in uh, 30 seconds. Is it in Our Father or, or Hail Mary? Oh, uh, I, I, I'd, I'd call upon Our Lady the Memorare, okay? Okay. But, uh, um, and and she, she's... Also, I, I would pray the Hail Mary because we, we pray asking her in that prayer to pray for us now and at the hour of our death. So, right, right. yeah. But let me get to um, um, Sister Maria Baeja's work, The Life of St. Joseph. It's really fascinating. Her her chapters, here. I'll, I'll just say something about the book as well. This, this book is out of print, The Life of St. Joseph. It was printed by the 101 Foundation, a pro-Fatima um, organization, um, back in 1977. It was the first printing, 15,000 copies. And um, as far as I know, it's out of print right now, but uh, I see the... Um, yeah, I, I don't know if there are any later translations, or pardon me, any, any later editions. You can look for it on the internet and find a copy once in a while. Hopefully it will be republished someday. Um, but it's, it's a wonderful work. I found it to be very inspiring. And chapters 16 and 17 of, of her work deal with um, the espousals. Chapter 16, God prepares St. Joseph for the first meeting with Mary. And what Sister Mary Baish says is that Joseph was 30 years of age when he is espoused to Mary. 
Mary's 14. And this um, is, I think, um, more reflective of the truth of Joseph. He's often portrayed as this old man with gray hair, and he shouldn't be. I think this is probably, I, I hope it's accurate, uh, her, her revelations that Joseph was 30 years of age. Mary's 14, that was the typical age for, for women to, to marry at that time. And um, this sister Maria Baige says, although the life of, of St. Joseph until now had been a continuous preparation for um, reception of so eminent a favor, being chosen to be the husbands of Mary, um, God still wished Joseph should dispose himself in a special manner during these days preceding the espousal. Okay, so uh, God intervened here, and uh, he inspired Joseph to, to pray and fast. Joseph came to know who Mary was, Okay, and thought himself unworthy to to uh, presume that he would be chosen as the spouse of the Blessed Virgin Mary. And Joseph prayed in the temple. He became conscious of an unusually fervent, tender love which was enkindled within his heart for the Holy Virgin Mary. He saw her and thought, "Well, she's he he recognized her holiness. He fasted." Um, prepared himself because he he was intending to offer himself to, in marriage to one of the virgins in the temple. He didn't think he was worthy to to be chosen to be the Blessed Virgin Mary's spouse. And here's what Sister Maria Bosch says. It never entered Joseph's mind that Mary herself might be the one who was to be given to him as a bride even though she had reached the marriageable age, and plans for an espousal had already been initiated by the guardian of the temple virgins. He was also mindful, St. Joseph, of the fact that Mary had made a vow of virginity, just as he was mindful of that vow which he himself made in emulation of her. Interesting. She's saying yeah. that Joseph was was admiring her and realized she had made this, you know, this vow. And so Joseph makes a vow of virginity himself. And that Joseph presently heard the Holy Virgin definitely was to be espoused. You know, the word went out. And uh, for this purpose, all the young men of the Davidic line, the descent of King David, that's the tribe of Judah, okay, were asked to assemble in the temple where the man destined to be uh, the bridegroom of the virgin would receive her as bride. And Joseph remarked, actually, to someone, oh, what, what happiness indeed for the man who is to be thus favored. Joseph had great humility. That's one of the things that Sister Mary Abage points out in, in her book in the preceding pages before you get to this section, okay? A tremendously humble man because he's, he's filled with grace, um, second only to Mary, okay? Because he, he, must, he must have been humble. The, the uh, gospel writers didn't find him to do anything interesting. Well, he's, he's Joseph the Silent. That's yeah. why they call him yeah. that. And However, I'll, I'll just say something about Joseph here, and this is from... 
good Josephologists throughout the centuries, okay? The saints and spiritual writers like Gerson, I mentioned, okay? Uh, there's a principle in the spiritual life that when God chooses someone for a vocation, he gives them all the grace needed to fulfill that vocation. The person who had the greatest vocation of anyone on earth was the Blessed Virgin Mary. Amen. So she is preserved Amen. from um, contracting the original sin. It's a preservative grace. She never, she never was tainted by that original sin. She was preserved from it by a singular grace in view of the merits of Jesus Christ. God is outside of time. He applied the merits of Christ that he would merit on the cross to Mary at her conception, preserved her from original sin, and filled her with grace. That is why the angel greets her, hail, full of grace. She is filled with the grace to such an extent that only God can comprehend it. Okay, that's what Pius XI says in his bull defining the Immaculate Conception. Now, you come to Joseph, he is the next most important vocation after Mary. So, he is filled with grace second only to the Virgin Mary. He was not conceived without original sin. However, he was sanctified in the womb. Many s saints, spiritual writers attest to this. And there is another mystic, Sister Mary Ephraim, who was given revelations about Joseph in the 1950s, about Mary as well, she, about Our Lady of America, okay, that's, that was, uh, Our Lady revealed herself to her under that title, but she received revelations about St. Joseph, who revealed to her that while he wasn't conceived without sin, he was sanctified immediately after conception. So, uh, second only to Mary in grace. So now, I get a question. So, purity is a big struggle for men, obviously, in today's, uh, day and age so who's your go-to i mean saint joseph most chase I, I tell i tell men especially pray to saint joseph for purity okay mm -hmm. because he's he's especially with his resurgence recently so father calloway wrote this book pope francis has just proclaimed the year dedicated to saint joseph so you know he's he's very good he's pictured with a lily to represent his purity now joseph um, as a, just to continue with Sister Mary, Maria Baige here, okay? So he's uh, chosen among these, these men of the tribe of Judah as a potential spouse of the Virgin Mary. And the night before they assemble, Joseph has a dream. An angel is sent to him and said to him, be it known, Joseph, God has most graciously accepted your fervent preparation and your ardent desires. The angel placed into his hands, this is again a dream, a white dove with these words, accept this gift presented to you by God. You shall be guardian of her purity. Cherish her deeply. Okay. Now he awakes, and Joseph kind of you know, doesn't think about this. He thinks, well, this is just a dream. Okay. Well, the next day he assembles. The priest has these young men of the, of the tribe of Judah, the descent of David, assembled before him. And he, um, um, each one of the eligible men is given a dried branch to hold in his hand. 
whereupon all those present would beseech God to cause that particular branch to blossom, which had been chosen to be the the spouse of the Virgin Mary. And the, Vir the Holy Virgin implored God for the grace to select for her a virginal bridegroom who would be the guardian of her purity. Okay. So Joseph purposefully goes off in the back, kind of hiding himself amongst all these different men. Okay, That's what she says here. Because you know he's in an unobtrusive spot, um, more befitting to his own, as in his opinion, unworthiness, okay? Suddenly, his branch begins to sprout, becomes bedecked with the snow, with snow-white blossoms. And the priest officiating announced that Joseph was the bridegroom chosen for the Virgin Mary, and all those present now saw a white dove descend from heaven, settle on the head of Joseph. And Joseph says, Oh my God, how is it that such a great grace has been given to me? What have I ever done to merit such a great favor? Okay. And, um, and then he's told that this pure dove will be your most loyal companion, referring to Mary. Both of you shall maintain your virginity. That's what um, this voice is heard, a divine voice. Okay, so this is a beautiful, you know, uh, Revelation, a private revelation, mind you, of the espousals of, of Joseph and Mary, which actually uh, comports very well with what what has been handed down in tradition. Okay, so yeah, you know, it's uh, I mean, there, I could go forever on questions and stuff, but uh, we have about thirty seconds left. Yeah, so. exactly. So um, it, it, it's really interesting. These revelations, you know, sometimes you, you give them a lot of credence just by virtue of the, of the person who was revealed to, right? And in this case, th that's good for you, right? Yes. Well, let us end with a prayer. Okay. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. We fly to thy hate patronage, O Holy Mother of God. Despise not our prayers and our necessities, but ever deliver us from all dangers, O glorious and blessed Virgin. May Almighty God bless you all, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. amen. You have been listening to The Marian Hour with Father Dwight Campbell. For a free copy of this recording, please visit us at wsfipodbean.com.